Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist. To focus on the emotional connection more than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. Hello, listeners. This is Aaron, one of the hosts of the Feeling Film Podcast. I'm excited today to be able to bring you a conversation that I had with the subject of the new National Geographic Channel's documentary, Free Solo. That is Alex Honnold. Now, Alex in this film is attempting to climb this rock face in Yellowstone National Park called El Capitan. For those that aren't familiar with what free soloing is, it is basically just climbing with no ropes. So Alex is scaling this massive, massive rock wall, 3,200 feet tall, with nothing but the strength of his own body. It's incredibly terrifying to not only think about, but especially to watch. Doing the filming for this documentary are acclaimed directors, Jimmy Chin and his wife, Elizabeth Vassarhelyi. You may know Jimmy from his participation in a previous climbing documentary called Meru, where he not only shot that film, but was a member of the climbing team to make that summit back in the early 2000s or early 2010s, I should say. So Free Solo is a film that really begs to be seen on the big screen. And I would highly recommend that if you have the opportunity to check this out in a theater, you definitely do that because the cinematography here is incredible. Some of the most amazing visuals that you will ever see because this just doesn't happen ever. It's the first time. And anytime you're talking about filming something that is happening for the first time, uh, there's something really awe-inspiring about watching that take place. Now, what's really great about this documentary is that it's not just about Alex achieving the climb. It's about Alex as a person and you really need a subject to carry this that is compelling and interesting. And Alex is certainly that. He's a unique human being. Um, he does not have the same fear that most of us have. That's what allows him to accomplish the things he does in the athletic world. And it's said during the documentary at one point by a famous climber, he's speaking about how free solo climbing is essentially if the Olympics had a gold medal event, and you died if you didn't win the gold medal. That's really what we're talking about here when we're considering the level of athletic achievement. It's it's really mind-blowing to think about, and watching it actually generates a sense of anxiety in you as a viewer because you don't know what's going to happen. Now, I'm interviewing Alex today, so clearly we know that Alex survives, but whether or not he completes the ascent and how all that plays out is really not the question here. It's more about learning how Alex's mind works and what it's like for him to live a life as a professional climber and then specifically to build up to a, an, an accomplishment like this, to an attempt that you really only get one shot at. I mean, if you make a mistake, you die. If you fall, you die. There, There is no in-between here. You either succeed or you die. And so Alex's uh, mindset, his psychology are really focused on here, as well as we get an intimate picture of what Alex's life is like bringing a new girlfriend into his world during the time he's attempting this. It's really incredible story, and I highly, highly recommend it. Absolutely up there with my favorite documentaries of 2018. It's very likely my favorite climbing documentary ever. So please take a listen to this interview with Alex. I think you're going to find it 
really entertaining. And with that being said, here's my conversation with Alex Honnold. Hi, this is Aaron. I'm from the Feelin' Film Podcast. How's it going? Good. How are you doing? Yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Awesome. Well, I, I appreciate you uh, taking time to talk to me today. I am a big fan of the film and a big fan of climbing documentaries in general, and this one was just so different than anything else that I really had seen because I think you kind of came at it from it, it was such a personal film for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so I guess I'll just jump right in. My first question is really around something you say early on in Free Solo, and that is – you're talking about how you never talk to people about your solo projects or you don't tell people about them because of the added pressure, which is ironic, except right? Except when I make a film about them. Except yeah, when yeah, you're, yeah, <laughs> except when you're making a film about it. So I, I was just curious, like what, what was it about doing this project that, what made you want to break that rule essentially to make free solo? Um, I mean, that's like a, a long conversation in a lot of ways, but um, I don't know. I mean, so, yeah, in general, I mean, I think it's better practices not to talk about free soloing. I mean, it's a very personal activity and, and it stresses people out. There's no no reason to put your friends through that kind of thing. Um, I mean, it, it, you know, I, I do agree that it's typically better not, not to talk about soloing ahead of time very much. Um, but in the case of, of free solo with the film, it just it kind of just made sense. I mean, basically, they approached me about making a film. Uh, Chai and Jimmy, the co-directors, approached me about making the film and you know, it was a big opportunity for me and seemed seemed like the right thing, you know, to do. And then combined with the fact that, I mean, and, and honestly, part of the reason I started talking about El Cap with some of my friends and, and with filmers was because it did something I've been dreaming about for so many years, but sort of hesitant to actually act on. Like, uh, you know, I'd been thinking about it forever, but not actually doing it. And I kind of needed some kind of extra little kick, you know, yeah. something to help me. Yeah. Or, or even just something to hold me accountable a little bit to like actually try and like put the work in you know, see if it was actually possible. And so, yeah, I mean, it just, I don't know. I mean, you know, maybe the lesson there is just that some things you, you do actually need to talk to other people about, you know, like, I mean, some things are almost like too big to do totally alone and hiding, you know, mm-hmm. like you, you need help, you need friends. Yeah, that's great. I mean, gosh forbid you, you do this and there's no record of it, <laughs> you know, and then, I mean, it happened, of course, but no one knows, essentially. I know I could prove it. So it's a good thing you did do this. Well, no, I mean, th- th- that would be fine. I mean, in terms, if I had an amazing experience on cap by myself and it wasn't, nobody really knew about it, I mean, I still would have had the amazing climbing experience and, and that would be fine. But the thing is, is that as a professional climber, I knew that if I did it myself in isolation, as soon as I finished, I would have a half dozen people hitting me up to go back and shoot pictures on it or shoot video or make a story about it or, you know, to, to tell it in mm, some way. Okay. And, and, and honestly, that was a big part of the motivation in making free solo was just the knowledge that if I did it alone, I would have to spend a bunch of time afterward still working on it, you know, to like tell the story in some way. Whereas if, you know, I worked on a film of the process, I basically wouldn't have to do any extra posing after the fact. And, uh, you know, it would help me like basically by, by filming on it, um, by filming the preparations, it was sort of helping me prepare better as opposed to, you know, using my time after. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Speaking of preparing, it's actually something I want to ask you about. I really loved seeing how detailed you were in your preparation. I, I kept I kept thinking about how you, you seemed like a one-man sports team because you were you were planning out this intricate <laughs> strategy. You're, you're mapping out the rock face and every every specific movement that you were going to make. And, I mean, I, I'm sure that that's to give you confidence um, about what you're going to do when you're on your actual ascent. Have you ever forgotten what to do next? And if you do forget, like, what do you do in that moment when you're 
up halfway, you know, to the top of El Cap, and you don't remember exactly what the next move is. Yeah, I mean, that certainly has happened many, many times in my life. I mean, on the particular climb on the free solo of El Cap, it didn't happen, um, just because I put so much time into it. But um, but I actually just gave a TED Talk earlier this year, um, it's available online now, where I sort of contrast my experience free soloing Half Dome with my experience free soloing El Cap, and, and sort of use those two experiences to highlight the 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 value of preparation because basically on top of half dome, I, I had exactly what you're saying. I, you know, I basically forgot what I should do or, or kind of just didn't know exactly what I should do. And then didn't really have the confidence to execute what I thought I was supposed to do. And so then it all sort of fell apart and I got really scared and, um, and then basically just had to, you know, take some deep breaths and sort of try to pull it back together. And, um, you know, and thankfully I managed and, and sort of persevered. But um, but it wound up making the actual climbing experience not that satisfying because I felt like I'd gotten away with something hmm. as opposed to uh, my experience on El Cap where I actually felt like I had put in all the work and therefore, you know, just felt like a great climber as I did it. Have you ever been on a climb and what is the point for you, rather, where it becomes go up <laughs> and don't go down? So if you like, get... you know, what is the point in a more existential oh. way? Like, what is the point? I'm like, well, I mean, well, I don't know. It's that's... like, I just want to have beautiful <laughs> Experiences climbing. <laughs> that's, that's the perfect answer. Um, no, but I, I mean, yeah. when you're going up, isn't isn't there like a a mark where you either go all the way up and you finish, or you you don't? I mean, where's the limit? Uh, no, for no, how so, far? So, no, not exactly. It's it's not nearly as 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 dramatic as that sounds, um, because. You know, the reality is that almost every cliff in Yosemite, you could just sit down on some little ledge. I mean, there are little ledges and outcroppings and things on the cliff. I mean, you can always like sit down on one of those. And, and if you didn't feel like you could continue upward or downward, you could just sit and wait and call one of your friends or scream for help or, you know, like somebody would come and get you. So, you know, you're sort of always able to, to down climb a little bit or, you know, post up on a ledge somewhere or wait for somebody. I mean, there's basically always... There are always options. You know? Okay. Okay. Well, that's um, good to know. Yeah. So that... Not 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 to downplay the seriousness of it because it's like even on the really easy parts, if you slip and fall off, you're going to die. So right. it's kind of this interesting, you know, in some ways it's not that committing because you're like, oh, I can just pull out my cell phone because I mean, I had my phone in my pocket. I could just call one of my friends and somebody could come and get me in a few hours. But then, but then if I slip, then, then I die. Okay. So it's like pretty committing. Yeah. No, that's good to know. It's not something that I necessarily gathered from the film other than the brief period where we see you meeting up with some people in a bunny suit, which was interesting. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Did you, did you speak to those folks? It looked like you just kind of blazed right by them. Yeah, I basically just said good morning and walked by. Is that um, common? Yeah, it's, it's common to see people on El Cap. Um, I mean, you know, it's one of the most iconic walls in the world, so there are people up there all the time. Um, and mo most people spend three to five days on the wall. So those guys are probably spending three or four, and they're basically, you know, camping, like sort of backpacking their way up the route. And so, um, yeah, I mean, typically when you pass people on the wall, you chat with them for a bit, you know, where are you from, how are you doing, how many days are you guys planning, things like that. Um, but on that particular morning, because I was free soloing, I was still feeling, uh, you know, basically I wanted to stay focused and I didn't, didn't want to chat with anybody. So I just said good morning and walked by. Yeah, you definitely seem like you're on a mission from our yeah, standpoint. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it happens so fast. You are just, boom, you're, you're moving. Um, and that makes sense. Like you don't want to. Yeah, so, so also they were, they were still in bed though when I went by. Oh. You can see in the film, when I walk by, they're still sitting in their portal edge, so they're in their sleeping bags in bed. And so I wasn't actually totally sure they were up, and so I didn't want to, like, disturb anybody, so I'd just say good morning, walk right by. But oh. then, um, and then the next shot in the film, you see the guy out of bed with his crazy unicorn onesie <laughs> and everything. But, um, but by that point, I was already, you know, 50 feet higher or something. 
One thing I noticed is that before your first attempt, at least the first attempt that we see filmed, I don't know how many you tried that we don't yeah, see. Yeah, that, that, that was it. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's it's no trick yeah, of the camera. Um, yeah, no, there's no... Actually, I mean, in general, there's like basically no trickery in the whole film. I mean, everything is just sort of... I mean, that's my life for the last few years. At that one point, you, you do seem bothered by the cameras a bit. And then during your actual final ascent... There are some beautiful shots, um, but some very close-up shots where it looks like cameras are like directly above you and directly beside you. I wondered, did those bother you on your final ascent? Were you distracted? Are there drones? Like, how close are those cameras to your face? Those kind of things. Yeah. Okay. So there's several things. So, um, well, okay. So first off, there are no drones because that's uh, illegal in the national park. So the um, the aerial shots are from a helicopter that was flying above the legal flight ceiling in the valley to keep it all sort of legit. Um, and then and then basically the camera guys had been practicing with me for the full two years that I was up there working on the moves. They were up there recording me working on the moves, but as a result, they knew exactly what the hard parts were, what the easy parts were, where I was going to place my feet. I mean, they knew you know exactly what I would be doing. And so I think that the crew did a really good job of sort of honing in on what the the key sections of the climb were and how to best shoot them. And then on the actual day, they relied on uh, remote cameras in a few places, um, like specifically the Boulder problem, because that's somewhere where the, I, I basically didn't want another human there um, because I just, it, you know, it's the most intense, most difficult part of the climb. And there's just always a little bit of a weird, or there's the potential for like an interplay between you and the, and, and basically one of my friends who would have been hanging there. And you just, and I, I would have known that they're super stressed and then it would make me stressed. And it's just this weird back and forth or, or, you know, I wouldn't want them like cheering for me, you know, because basically it's just, it's really hard for a camera guy to stay totally neutral because they're all friends of mine and they're in this really intense situation, but you know, they're obligated to stay totally neutral to it. And so I just didn't want to put anyone in that position. So they relied on remote cameras for a few places. But then the places where there were physical cameramen were places that we had sort of mutually agreed were, were out of the way and, uh, you know, not distracting and but also getting epic shots, you know. Yeah, that's great. I love, uh, you know, Jimmy's a master at this because you never see them. You never see the other cameras. I mean, he makes it seem as if they're not even there. So it's pretty wonderfully shot. Yeah, it's funny. Um, the whole the whole top uh, where uh, I'm like climbing the upper corners and then doing the traverse around the corner, which is like one of the most, you know, inspiring film uh, shots of the film. That one little section of wall, uh, there were three different camera guys all hanging within probably a 30 foot sphere of each other except that one was around a corner and like one was above over this little roof, like an outcrop, like a lip of, of rock sticking out. And then Jimmy was kind of hanging in space, dangling sort of in between. But so it was three guys on three different ropes, totally different systems, all wow. rigged independently. And, oh, man. and yet none of them were in the other one's shots. You know, it was like really well orchestrated. Yeah. And none of them were actually <laughs> in my way. So each of them were able to see me for long periods of the route and get these amazing shots. But none of them were seeing each other. And, uh, I mean, it was really well, well done. Yeah. No kidding. That's two years of practice, you know? Oh, that's it's true. Like, that's true. I, mean, I guess how much, how much work, uh, when yeah, you put it in context put it and then you're like, yeah, they, yeah, they put that much work into you. And so obviously they got good at it over time. One thing I noticed also is that it didn't seem at any point, like I, we didn't see you drinking water or, you know, going to the bathroom. Yeah, that, um, I, 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 I did, uh, I did both. Um, I had food and water stashed in two places, but they just weren't really significant. Uh, climbing places. 
you know, there were like ledges, like basically um, below where I passed the unicorn, there's another big ledge that there were actually people camping on that ledge as well, um, who I also just passed in bed, said good morning and just walked right by. But um, but I had food and water stashed in two places, and then I I took leaks, you know, like all over the the route. I would stop and pee whenever I needed to four times. But I also um I also was stopping and taking my shoes on and off oh. quite a bit because that's like, that's totally normal and common for climbing. Yeah, um, because climbing shoes are pretty tight, and so on the hard terrain, I need them super tight for high precision. You know, I mean, you see in the film all the tiny little footholds, but um, but on the easy terrain, you want them pretty loose and comfortable, so just so your feet don't start to hurt, and so. Um, so basically I would sort of vary my, you know, the comfort of my shoes depending on the type of terrain. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. That definitely would not have known that, uh, from watching it. So yeah, I think some of that is just too many little details for a 90 minute film. Agreed. I mean, considering the film is also showing my entire two, well now three year relationship with my girlfriend laid out in 90 minutes. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to get into too much of the nitty gritty. Right. What were your thoughts on this though? When you watch it back, like, how was that experience for you to see yourself go through this on screen? Um, I mean, the first, yeah, I don't know. I mean, so watching all the scenes of my relationship with my girlfriend and, and Tom Asani in the van, I mean, a lot of it is hard for me to watch. I mean, honestly, just listening to yourself talk for an hour and a half is, is, is kind of painful. Uh, and then, you know, just seeing how I am with my girlfriend at times is, is also sort of unfortunate, but, um, but then a lot of it, I mean, the climbing is amazing. I mean, that's exactly, I mean, that's why I love to climb. And I think that the film really does justice to to the wall and to my inspiration to, for climbing the wall. And just, um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, basically, there are a lot of things going on. I mean, I, I kind of think that in some ways I experience, you know, the, the same range of emotions that the average audience probably does, though actually probably uh, at opposite times because I think the audience watches the relationship stuff and they're like, oh, this is interesting. And like, this is cool. And I watch it. I'm totally horrified. But then when I see the climbing, I'm like, this is awesome. And I think that that's what horrifies most people watching. But yeah, but, but I mean, you know, the, I mean, like I said, though, it's a, it's a super honest film. I mean, that's just two years of my life laid out for better, or for worse. And so uh, yeah. know, I watch it and there are definitely things that I wish were better. And then, then there are other things that I'm like, this is capturing me and my best. And so it's, you know, it's uplifting for me to see. Well, I mean, I'll tell you, that's what makes me love it so much and and all of the the other critics here in seattle area along with me have all just fallen in love with the film and it's for that reason it's because of the authenticity and the personal nature it's it's intimate i mean it really is like we're right there with you like we feel like we're your friend alex at this point you know like we've gotten to know you and gone through this stuff with you and so it gives us such a different experience than just watching someone kind of a picture off in the distance climbing. Yeah. I mean, because, well, because it is real life, you know, that's just, yeah, it was just two years of our life just laid out with, and I mean, I think that was partially because I was good friends with so much of the crew beforehand. And so it was pretty easy for them to have that kind of access to my life because several of the people that I was filming with, I've been hanging out with for over a decade anyway. And so for them to be hanging out in my van, holding, well, you know, for them to be hanging out in the van with me is totally normal. And then for them to be in the van holding a camera is not that unnormal because, you know, I mean, we've, we filmed other things in the past and you're like, Oh, there's my buddy just hanging out with this camera like normal. And then, and then, yeah. And then at the end you're like, wow, this is quite a film they made, you know, but that's what happens when you hang out for two years with your friends. So how do you balance the newfound, I, I hesitate to use this word, but celebrity. I mean, you're a cover athlete on magazines. You've got this film now. I mean, this, film has Oscar potential in my opinion. So it's going to, it's going to be in the awards conversation. And how does that change 
what I'm assuming used to be a pretty low-key, kind of quiet, hidden-away lifestyle that you had? Well, I mean, it's kind of just beginning, so it hasn't actually changed anything yet, but the the question kind of stresses me out a little bit. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, I've been a professional climber for, for 10 years now, or I guess 11 years now, which kind of makes me feel old, but... Um, and it's kind of all slowly built over time. So it's given me personally and plenty of time to adjust. But, you know, time will tell if this film changes things a lot or, or not. Uh, okay. But basically, I, I don't know. I mean, I just kind of, you know, I sort of made the choice that, that I wanted to be a professional climber because it allows me to, to do the thing that I love to do full time for a living. And, and so, you know, I'm sort of just grateful that, that it's, all, it's all working out. You know, I'm like, well, that's what I'm doing. Yeah, just take it as it comes there. Yeah. And there are some things. I mean, I, I don't know if you um, you know, but I have a foundation that, uh, that I started maybe five or six years ago. I'm supporting environmental nonprofits, and um, and I've kind of used that as a way to sort of channel some of the fame. Because in a lot of ways, there's no real point in me being better known or having more more publicity in any way. Um, and so the foundation is kind of a nice way for me to to, to add some purpose to that. But, That's great. What about going forward? So. Do you think that you're going to continue to have the drive to climb the unclimbable? Um, or do you feel like you're ever going to be satisfied and kind of, to use a pun, capped out? <laughs> um, I mean, so I always have a drive to take on more more climbing challenges. Or maybe not always, but, but I certainly still have a drive to be a better climber. Um, I just don't know if that will manifest as bigger free solos. Um, just because, I mean, El Cap has always represented the, the pinnacle of of wall climbing to me. I mean, it's, it's like the most inspiring thing I can think of. And so, um, I don't know. I mean, you know, but since I pre-sold it all cap last summer, I mean, I've done, um, like an expedition to Antarctica last winter, also with Jimmy Chin. And, um, uh, I did a speed record on the nose, uh, just a couple of months ago with, with, uh, Tommy Caldwell, um, climbed, climbed all cap and sub two hours, which, which we were pretty proud of. Um, so I mean, still taking on all kinds of climbing challenges, but they just, might not ever have quite the magnitude of, of a huge free solo. But, I mean, honestly, that's fine with me, though. I mean, I don't know if mm -hmm. I need that in my life forever. Yeah, that's great. Well, um, I have a few more questions that are kind of not necessarily free solo, the film-related. Um, one I wanted to ask you is, considering that, you know, your girlfriend is from Seattle, I'm assuming you might have spent some time mm -hmm. here now. Have you done any climbing yeah, or hiking locally around here that you really yeah, enjoy? Yeah. Yeah, fair amount. We, we were there this summer for a little bit. So I've climbed in the gyms there a lot. And then I've climbed uh, at Exit 32, like a little thigh, um, climbed to Index a bit, climbed a tiny bit in the Cascades, um, done some little ski adventures. Um, I don't know one of, I don't know if you've heard of uh, Colin Haley, but he's one of America's best alpinists, but he's also from Seattle. Um, he's from Mercer. And um, so we've done a couple of fun little adventures around Seattle. Uh, yeah, I mean, and then, Honestly, though, whenever I'm in town, it seems like we just wind up going biking with, with my girlfriend's family, like bike around the island, bike around town, bike to the gym, um, just sort of embrace, you know, the, the urban side of Seattle. There are a bunch <laughs> of really good climbing gyms in, in Seattle. So, I mean, the, the gym situation is really good. Great. What about, uh, what about songs? So, I know you're not listening to anything when you're going up uh, El Cap, it doesn't seem like, but when you're just out doing your normal climbing that's a little bit less stressful, I would say, probably. Do you listen mm -hmm. to music? And if so, what are some of your favorite songs or genres on your playlist? Yes, yeah, so, so I often listen to music while I'm climbing. I, uh, I typically just play it off my phone in my pocket, so it's like a radio, um, because it's really important. I, I don't like using 
earbuds or headphones or anything um, because uh, it's important to be able to hear the rock or like hear your feet grinding on the rock or, you know, basically to just be able to tell what's going on in case things are moving or if anything breaks or if there's sand on your feet or anything like that. But, um, but I typically listen to sort of alt rock, like modern rock type stuff, sort of like think, uh, you know, 2003 punk rock type, you know, basically I listen to the same stuff I did in high school. Who is your, who would you say is your climbing inspiration uh, or who, what climber did you admire most when you were first getting into the sport? Actually, uh, I mean, possibly by coincidence, but the film sort of includes probably my two biggest heroes in climbing. Um, cause Peter Croft was, mm-hmm. was probably my, my biggest hero as a kid. And then Tommy Caldwell is, is another, you know, and it's funny because Tommy's a really good friend now and we hang out quite a bit. Um, so it's a little bit weird to think of him as like a childhood hero now, but, but he certainly was for years. And I mean, and he's still a big inspiration. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's actually kind of, it's kind of an honor that they're both included in the film. Cause I mean, I've drawn so much inspiration from them over the years. So other than El Capitan, what is your favorite climb that you've done? Hmm. Um, I don't know. Actually, I mean, maybe something I did with Tommy in uh, 2014 or 15, I forget, uh, maybe 14. Um, but we climbed uh, the Fitz Traverse in, in Patagonia, which is uh, this traverse of the seven biggest formations in, along this ridge. But it basically took us four and a half days of, of fairly continuous climbing. And we camped along the ridge. And uh, I mean, it's like a really striking, striking skyline. So it was just, I mean, it was kind of just like this epic climbing adventure with a good friend. And it was my first time in Patagonia, so it was all totally new to me. So it made it very exciting. Oh, that's awesome. Also, what about other hobbies? Do you have other hobbies? Is there, is there anything you do? <laughs> is there anything you do to relax that's not athletically inclined? I would say. Well, I mean, so I do a lot of sort of low-level athletic things, like um, you know, mountain biking or skiing or hiking, things like that. Um, you know, I do I do them at sort of a low level, and it's like just for fun. Um, but it is a nice way for me to enjoy the mountains. Um, and then beyond that, I mean, I just kind of read or watch films and just kind of hang out you know, work on the foundation, work on, on, well, I mean, just spend time with my girlfriend or family and things. Um, yeah, I mean, basically just living, but no, I don't really have any other major hobbies. Okay, cool. Well, since we are a film podcast, I'm going to ask you the, the big like final question here is favorite films or favorite documentaries. Give us a couple of Alex Honnold <laughs> recommendations, uh, to take with us. Okay. So first I'll preface this by saying that I'm, I'm not really a film guy, and it's been funny because I've been doing two months of film touring with, with Free Solo. Uh-huh. And so going to the Telluride Film Festival and Toronto Film Festival and meeting all these great directors and actors and things like that has been sort of an interesting experience for me because I just don't know that much about film. And my personal tastes have always sort of run towards, you know, sort of Hollywood action type stuff. Uh, you know, like Gladiator comes to mind or like okay. John Wick, you know, more and more contemporary, like, but like just straight action, you know, I'm like, oh, this is. Like, this is a great movie, but so I don't think that anyone <laughs> would consider that great, great cinema, you know, or like great film. But um, but I don't know. I just freaking I kind of love John Wick, you know. And uh, but so then I've been watching a bunch more documentaries recently, partially just because now that we've been sort of in the the documentary, you know, we've been screening the film for all kinds of uh, I don't even really know for doc branch members and academy things, and um, I actually totally don't know who we're you know but basically i've just been hearing people talking about all these other documentaries so much so um mm-hmm. so i just watched uh three identical strangers two days ago. oh it's crazy and then, right <laughs> um, and then yeah it's, yeah it's pretty good and then um 
And then with, uh, what's the other one? Oh, we watched uh, RBG a few days ago also. Um, I watched both of those and my girlfriend. This is like fun little date night type movies. Yeah. Um, and then, and then uh, actually on the way to Telluride, we watched uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor and then met uh, Morgan Neville at the festival, which is kind of awesome. So I was like, oh, we just watched your film and it was so good. And it was, uh, yeah, it was super, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was fun. Um, so, I mean, I, I try to, uh, and I just, I just downloaded the, the 13th, which, um, I just mm-hmm. read this book, uh, the, the new Jim Crow, which I guess is kind of the book version of, of that film. And so, um, so I'll probably watch that soon, but it seems slightly less uplifting. So we'll see. Yeah. It's, it's pretty harrowing. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a hard watch. It's important, but it's hard watch. Um, like a lot of documentaries, that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. No, actually, I also recently downloaded, uh, uh, 12 years of slave and I was like, and that's also something that we just haven't quite watched for date night yet. Cause we're like, Oh, it seems a little grim for date night. Yeah. That's, that's you know? a, <laughs> that's an, you're going to, you might want to like watch some cat videos after that one or something, you know, to bring yourself back <laughs> totally, up. Totally. But that's why I typically left to my own devices. I just watch action. I like, I kind of only watch uppers. You know, I mean, watching a film like John Wick, mm-hmm. you're like, yeah, let's go out and like run to the mountain, climb the mountain, run down, <laughs> and then like make some dinner. As opposed to watching something like 12 Years a Slave, where you're like, no, I think I'll just stay on the sofa the rest of the night and cry. <laughs> like more in the world but. well that makes sense yeah the, the adrenaline pumping seems to fit with your your uh lifestyle a lot so well and it's not just adrenaline but it's also just uh, i don't know like action you know doing things mm-hmm. but yeah great well thank you so much for making the time to uh chat with me i really appreciate it highlight of my year for sure it's been great getting to just no, watch your story it. and learn some more about it. And uh, I, I really appreciate it. you. You've actually inspired me. I've started, I, I've been a hiker in the past and now I find myself like inspired to actually get off my butt and go do it more because of watching. Heck you. Yeah. So, I mean, if you live in Seattle, you should, uh, you should go to the climbing gym. You should get into it. I mean, there's so many opportunities to climb mountains and like hike in beautiful places around Seattle, but you should definitely get out and take advantage of them. Yeah, we'll do. Well, thank you again, cool. Alex. We appreciate it. And uh, best of luck, man, going forward. Yeah, thanks a bunch. Have a good day. All right, everyone. Well, I hope that you enjoyed that interview with Alex Honnold as much as I did. Sure was a blast getting to know him a little bit more and learn some additional things about his journey of climbing El Cap. I got to say again, if you haven't seen the film yet, please do what you can to make it out to a theater to support this documentary. Not only because they need it, but because this film is so worth seeing visually on the big screen. Um, I can't recommend it enough uh, for you to do that. But that's it for now. So thanks for listening. As always, if you need to reach out to me, you can do so on social media. You can find me at Feelin' Film on Twitter or in the Feelin' Film Facebook group, which we encourage everyone to come be a part of and join the conversation. Until next time, stay positive and keep feeling film.